0: Hey, did somebody call for backup? What's up, Prodigies? And welcome back to Call for Backup, a Prodigal Son podcast from Nerds and Beyond. Grab your snorkel because we're about to dive into Season 2, Episode 3 of Prodigal Son. If you're not caught up, this is your big spoiler warning. Come listen to us once you've watched on Fox Now or on Hulu. At the taping of this episode, Episodes 19 to 20 of Season 1 are on Fox Now, and the first three episodes of Season 2 are on Hulu. So. Joining us this week are several of our Nerds of Beyond Writing team, but first, let me introduce myself. I'm Kaylee, and I'm a staff writer at Nerds. You can find me on social media at Kaylee Gross. For this episode, I am joined by Brianna, Megan, and my co-host Jules, so thank you guys for joining this week. Brianna is providing a quick recap of the episode, Jules will be leading the discussion of our favorite noteworthy moments and helping to discuss our theories. And of course, we'll have our weekly Malcolm Danger Count led by myself and Jules. But don't worry, I'll end the episode with a nice dose of inspiration for the week ahead with a motivational affirmation or quote. Before we begin, I'll let the other staff
1: members introduce themselves
0: and explain what they do for nerds. I'm Megan,
1: I'm a staff
2: writer, and you can find me on Twitter at MarvelStalina.
1: I'm Brianna, an editor, and you can find me on Twitter at BookBag09.
2: And I'm Jules. I am an editor,
3: writer, and content assistant, and you can find me on Twitter, at JulesWritesBlog.
1: All right, before we discuss the events of this week's episode, let's give a brief refresher on what happened. This week on Prodigal Son, we headed back to Malcolm's alma mater, Rivington Academy, where we finally learn a little more about Malcolm's past. He's unwilling to go, but the high-profile murder of the headmaster happened, so he has to. To crack the case, Malcolm must profile some seriously cutthroat kids while revisiting a whole lot of childhood trauma. Meanwhile, at Claremont, Martin is desperate to escape, but at what cost? In the end, this trip down memory lane ends with Malcolm catching the killer teen and Martin being one step closer to Exodus. From Madriza in a wetsuit to Malcolm literally setting fire to his old high school, there's a lot of ground to cover. To read a more in-depth summary of what went down on this week's episode, make sure to check out our recap on nerdsandbeyond.com.
3: Okay, so let's get started on our discussion of everything from this week, our reactions, some of the fun stuff that we saw. And we wanted to start off with the most obvious, which is that we went back to school with one Malcolm Bright. I think something that's probably been on all our minds since season one is what was Malcolm like as a young man? And we got some answers this episode. Uh, Some were a bit surprising. Um, So let's start off by talking a little bit about Remington as a school. I mean, how on brand is it that Jessica Whitley sent her son to what is possibly the snottiest boarding school ever? And then left him there. What did you guys think of the place itself? It felt very on brand. I mean, it's exactly the kind of place that you would expect Malcolm Bright to be spending his teenage years. I thought it was interesting to kind of see Jessica a little bit in her natural habitat as well, because she's, you know, on the board and we see the way she interacts with everybody. It's a little bit different than we're used to seeing her. But of course, the coolest part was actually seeing the flashbacks of Malcolm in school which was kind of amazing um it was fun to see Tom Payne play a younger version of Malcolm um with all the hair and wardrobe changes that that entails what did you guys think when we were starting to see
0: the flashbacks it always cracks me up because they make him all clean shaven you know um and I'll be honest his shirt reminded me of Blue's Clues don't don't ask me why but it did, like the striped, um <laughs> the stripes. Anyway, but I think he does a good job of, he almost like changes his mannerisms too to show that he's mm-hmm. younger. And I really admire that. I think from an acting standpoint, I think that it's a great choice. I don't know. I do like the scenes because it gives us a little history on Malcolm himself and what he's gone through and a sneak peek into that part of his life that we haven't seen yet so
3: yeah definitely and Megan Brianna what did you guys think of getting to see some of those moments
2: like Kaylee said it was nice being able to like see this part of him because we haven't really seen like that that preppy side of Malcolm before and just seeing the origin of like some of his background and how he really was in school and why he wanted to go to Remington in the first place was really interesting to to see.
1: I think my favorite part about it had to be we got the origin of where he got bright from when he picked it, which was really cool to see because we've always, you know, we've alluded to it, but never had the story there. And I really liked also, we got to see where his tremor started and it wasn't to do with Martin. It was to do with the school.
0: I agree, Brianna. I'm going to kind of piggyback off of what you just said. It's like his origin story, you know, and then here he gained like his new persona, you know, the Malcolm Bright and he's not you know his new persona is not the son of a serial killer he's trying to like become his own person and i think that's something else i really admire about him that he's just trying his best to have a normal life and to not be attached to the whitley family the best way that he can but um we saw how that played out so we'll talk about that
3: (laughs) (laughs) it's interesting too because martin even says you know at the end of the episode when he's sort of getting on him about changing his name. He's like, you would have been so cool if you had rolled up being like Malcolm Whitley, like son of a serial killer. And I don't know, like part of me kind of agrees with him because honestly, if a kid like Malcolm had shown up at my high school and been like, I have this crazy, insane life, I probably would have wanted to befriend that kid. But I'm not gonna defend Martin on this one because I think Malcolm has the right to decide how he wants to live his life. I think it was interesting to see the origin of that like you said. And of course we do see that immediately upon somebody figuring out who he really is, uh we have a really really claustrophobic scene um of Malcolm getting bullied by Nikki and locked in a closet for an entire 3 days. I don't know about you guys but I don't love small spaces and that
0: was that was that was intense. What did you think Kaylee? I like even just thinking about it, like, puts tears in my eyes because I cannot imagine it just and it was heartbreaking. And Tom Payne killed this scene absolutely, 100% hands down, just the goat, like, for real. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I put myself in his shoes, and that's why it makes me feel things like it makes me feel emotional because. Can you imagine being in a closet for three days, no food, no water, can't go to the restroom? Like that's things I think about. And it just, it breaks my heart. And I'm surprised that he turned out as well as he did with all of his childhood trauma. I'm going to be honest. He could have, he could have turned out much worse, much worse. Um, and had other um, effects as well from everything in his life. So I'm, yeah, it, it got to me, but what do you guys think?
3: I mean, I think that scene was so impactful too, because it's also one of the few times that he sort of was himself. I mean, in that moment, somebody figured out who he was and they made a choice, you know? In that moment, he could have had this reckoning where nobody cared that he was Malcolm Whitley, you know? But they did. And so that kind of set him up for the rest of his life being like, clearly it's a problem that I'm a Whitley and this is something that I really need to hide. It's also sadistic to do that even as a high school bully like that kid i want to find out whatever ended up happening to him because that that is some serial killer behavior to lock somebody in a closet for an entire weekend and then the other thing that we should probably discuss is did jessica know what what had happened here because she was supposed they were supposed to literally be getting in the car and going on a trip together i see kaylee frantically nodding her head with something to
0: happen i mean he even said, "Yeah, my mom's got a car waiting for us to go to the Hamptons." Was she not concerned? Wasn't she? That like on the board, um a phone call. "Hey, my son is not here. I'm I'm waiting for him." Did she wait outside for 3 days? What what is this? Like how do you not know your son is missing? Like I know he's older, like he's he would be in high school at this time, but he didn't call her to be like, "Hey, I'm not going to be in the
1: Hamptons this weekend." I'm, I'm going to agree with you because I can think about when I was his age, like my mom would have lost her mind if it had gone more than like four hours past the end of school on a weekend and she hadn't heard from me. So I don't understand how she just didn't. And even if she wasn't in the car, say she sent the car for him. Okay. He just didn't turn up to the house at the Hamptons. You don't call to check and see where your son is. If he went to the other house, did he stay with the friend I also want to know where the J fits in all of this. So was he pre Remington? I need to know these things. I mean, I guess that's the question too, is like, if, was Jessica
3: and Malcolm's relationship strained at the time? Cause we had that joke in season one where she kind of says like, oh, he was a really sulky teenager. Like, you know, oh, it's like living with Malcolm, like in the late nineties or whatever. Like, Do you think maybe they just weren't really talking to each other all that much? And so when he didn't turn up for this planned trip, she was just kind of like, oh, he's sulking and avoiding me. And I guess that's just how it is. Yeah.
0: Well, but my thing is the car was waiting for him. So why didn't the driver be like, hey, even if she wasn't in the car with him to like take him to the Hamptons, hey, um, Mrs. Whitley. Your son did not show up to the car. Should I should I uh should I have a search party for him? And was rolling, Malcolm eh. lying?
3: Was Malcolm <laughs> lying about having the trip Ooh. to try to get the kid to leave him alone? I didn't like know. someone will care if I'm not where I'm supposed to be. So like you should
0: not lock me in a closet and leave me alone <laughs> for 3 days. I thought honestly he was going to push him in the locker, but then when earlier when he was talking to Danny and he had his hand tremor and he was looking at the closet, I was like, "Okay, something bad happened here (laughs) and then that leads to probably i don't know about you guys but the most shocking moment of the
3: episode in my opinion which is where we thought for a moment that malcolm bright was a teen murderer because he takes nikki's inhaler empties it and then the kid has an asthma attack and almost dies um in front of him i mean what were you guys thinking like I, I i was I was glued to the screen, thinking that he had killed this kid.
0: I was shooketh, okay, because my mouth was open the whole time. I gasped like I had never taken in any air in my whole life. I was shocked because I thought he was gonna confess to Endicott's murder and be like, "Yeah, I killed somebody," and I was like, N- "Malcolm." no like keep it a secret that's the whole point because he was going to cause more problems for himself but i'm uh, relieved that he did not um commit murder so honestly this maybe i'm just a bad person but i think he kind of deserved it not to die but to to feel how malcolm
1: felt but that's just me i really like the drama of the way they played it out like it wasn't Nothing he said was a lie, technically. He has sort of killed someone. And then we find out later that the kid actually lives. But the whole time it was happening, I was like, oh, my God, how? Is this doesn't match up with, like, the Malcolm that we know because he fights so hard to not be that person. And then you think, okay, I had the brief moment of, like, did he have an Ainsley moment where he just, like, disassociated real hard? But then I think he hit the guy in the chest knowing he would cause an asthma attack hitting him right there square in the chest like that. So I feel like it was all intentional. And then he chickened out at the last minute and saved the kid.
2: So I also was really, really shocked the first time I watched that scene. But at the same time, I was like, no, he he would not do this. And I read the scene when he was talking about it. I was like, wait, he really did kill this kid. And when, it, when he revealed that he actually got someone to to help him, and that he lived I was like what is even going on right now but just like the the fact that like this story just made Louisa feel something different and I really did just like Kaylee I thought that he was going to talk about Endicott but when it went to the flashback I was like okay something else is going to happen
3: it's a classic like prodigal son fake out moment where you're watching one thing you think it's going to be, go one way and it goes completely the other i also like the fact that he instantly was like no 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 i need to talk about the time i almost murdered that guy in high school to get through to this girl like nothing else is going to get through to her except for another attempted teen murder which begs the question how much teen murder is happening at this school that <laughs> not twice in like what 15 years now we have a murderous student potentially Um, Jules, the answer to that is,
0: um, too much. (laughs) Too much. Uh, Survey says? (laughs) Survey says too many murders (laughs) at
3: this one boarding school.
0: I kind of have to pat Malcolm on the back because he thought quickly on his feet. Like, I know what's going to get her attention and it's me kind of reliving this, but it's going to end up saving his life in the end. So, because didn't he have to like heat up the little thingy? What is that called? anybody know I am not
3: even sure to be honest I was so focused on the story that by the time I was kind of like Louisa in that moment or like by the time I realized he was doing something clever in the in the box yeah. I was like wait what's yeah. going on I was just listening to the murder story exactly
0: well whatever that thing is called if you're listening to
3: the podcast it's used
1: to heat up the glue when you rebind a book I believe oh. I can't I can't think of the name of the tool though I'm pretty sure that's what it's for
3: We're learning so much on this show between exorcisms last week, (laughs) bookbinding this week. Like, what will Prodigal Son teach us next week?
0: What will they do? Everything.
3: (laughs) Everything about murder and about life. The other best part about this episode, though, was, yes, we got to see what young Malcolm was up to at Remington Academy. But then we got to see what older Malcolm got up to returning back. Um, which was pretty amazing. I mean, we saw his sarcastic adult side come out. I think anyone who was ever like bullied as a kid has that fantasy of going back to their old school and being like, look at me now. And this was definitely kind of like that for Malcolm. We see him tussle with the teenagers, go toe to toe with Louisa and all her buddies. Um, (laughs) And and he had some pretty good one-liners as a part of that. What did you guys think? Of him confronting these teenagers. Cause I mean, he really, he kind of went after them.
0: I thought it was hilarious and just on par for Malcolm. I think because he just really didn't want to be there. And you could tell, like, you know, that's why Jessica had called the mayor to get Gil to get Malcolm on the case because he does not want to be there. It was a very traumatic experience for him. So I think he's just, it's just how he copes, honestly. Like, I think it's some sort of weird, Coping mechanism, but I don't blame him. I mean, the kids were ruthless and kids still are ruthless. So, you know, again, maybe they deserved it. I don't know, but maybe I'm just a terrible person. That's fine.
1: I was going to say the same thing. I think it was sort of, you know, it was hitting a little close to home. So his shield is to put up that really sarcastic, standoffish personality and kind of shield himself from the trauma of what happened there. Cause he literally had to walk past that closet multiple times in that course i will say that i think having him walk into the room for the interrogation sopping wet is one of the funniest (laughs) things they've done on the show it was hilarious and then the whole pantomime routine of him like taking his phone out taking his watch off taking the wallet out that was (laughs) sopping wet was just so great and tom like the comedic timing of it was perfect
3: and the lines that he had as part of that i mean just watching him go after these kids when he comes in and the other kid goes Oh, like, why are you wet or whatever? And he just goes, oh, because I, I I was in a pool. Like, what's your excuse? Because the kid's sweating it. Like, just little lines like that, little asides. When he walks in and he says, hi, I'm Malcolm Bright, and I'll be your profiler today. Like, just all these little classic Malcolm-isms that really kind of get to the kids. Not Louisa, because she is stone cold. That kid is crazy. But the rest of them, you can kind of see him sweat a little bit, and it's sort of like he's getting a little bit of revenge. Although, I, you know, I don't agree with what Gil and Jessica thought was going on. But, you know, that's just me.
1: I'm going to sidetrack us just for a second. Do we think Louisa is a little psychopath? Because she really kind of played up the manipulation, and she cried when she thought Jessica wanted her to cry, and was really just... It was like her emotional cues were off.
0: Psychopath 101. Like, I just think of Criminal Minds. That's another show I love um, among the many shows on my resume. But yeah, 100% psychopath or sociopath. I mean, I don't, I don't know the textbook definitions of, or the difference between them, but mm-hmm. she's all of them. All of them. She checks every <laughs> box. She's cutthroat. Just don't mess with her. Don't mess with Louisa, okay? so
3: manipulative too and just oh, very yeah. good at making people believe what they need to believe in that moment and even that last moment with guilt she's trying to save it she's trying to manipulate one more time and it's just
1: they can't see past it also the second she punched adresa uh-uh get out
0: get out <laughs> no All one messes for, with oh, adresa no. All <laughs> her off.
1: i was like somebody i was so mad For backup please I, <laughs> help. I thought she was when we came back from commercial break because they cut i thought she was going to be like kicked and like beat up beat up not just like a punch to the gut for getting the water bottle i really expected like some ice on the head or something yeah So i'm kind of glad they didn't because that would have been i don't think i could have taken that
2: so the the first time i watched it, i didn't really catch it but when the the second time i watched it and watched more closely i was like oh yeah she's definitely hiding something and then the and then that that twist just completely shocked me that the first time around when she was like going through why she why she did it what her plan was it all started to make sense that this rich girl wanted just wanted to get away from her father wanting to be a thousand miles away that she would literally do anything to just escape to college
3: and that girl was such a good actress too the girl playing Louisa. I mean, she's just scary good. Because <laughs> she she had that perfect vibe of like, there was a plausible way for you to think, okay, maybe she was involved in the cheating ring, but not in the murder. Like you could see maybe that going that way. But then the second she flipped that switch, you just fully believed that she had definitely done this. And she was cold. I mean, even with Adresa, first of all, them assuming that Adresa was a freshman, hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. But also when she says that amazing line, when she goes, welcome to boarding school, bitch, and then hits her in the stomach, I mean, my God, like what kind of child does that? And I personally would just like to shout out the writers on this podcast right now. I am really hoping that that was a reference to the classic teen drama, the OC with that line, because the second I heard her say it, I was like, wait, my teen drama loving senses are tingling here. I think that was a purposeful reference um but really everything with the kids was incredible it gave those gossip girl vibes that we were looking for and then kaylee even mentioned it had quite a few breakfast club vibes as
0: well because these kids are so different from each other they had like this scene and um i saw michael lamis um tweeted out as well he was like because how they said it he's like i'm a jock i'm a you know, a popular girl, whatever, they had like the same sort of, it was like almost an allusion to the breakfast club, just how they had that scene, how they were all sitting in the room, almost like they were in detention. It just, all those memories of the breakfast club just kind of came flooding back. But um, honestly, I, if it's true and that's what they were going for, I loved it. And that also introduced
3: a lot of plot twists too, because I mean, we, we were twisting and turning all over the place in this episode. <laughs> because at first we think they're running a cheating ring, and then we think the teacher's in charge of it, and also killed the headmaster. And then it's like, no, it was really Louisa the whole time. I mean, what were you? What was going through your heads
0: when you were watching those scenes, like, just twisting and turning like that? I thought all of them were involved because they like, like they just gained up on Adresa, like. And she's like, yo, I'm just checking out all the cool science stuff. Like, I was in the physics club, you know, she was, like, flexing that. But um, I thought they were all involved. I I mean, I know they were involved in, like, the cheating ring, but I thought they were all
1: involved in the murder. I thought all of them were accomplices. I'm going to start doing a count every episode of how many twists happen. Because... (laughs) I was, I really fell for it. I did. I didn't think it was going to be Anton at first because I remember looking at the clock and being like, it's 820. It's too early. It can't be this kid.
3: Uh-huh. And it's too early in the true crime show. for It, it to was. Be. You start looking at the <laughs>
1: clock and you're like, uh-uh, I'm not falling for it. And then they introduce the, uh, the chemical when he goes and talks to Martin. And the chemical is what you use on old books. And I did on my second watch, they do say that Louisa spends a lot of time in the library and helps with the restoration. And so when he went to confront uh, the teacher, uh, Delaney, I think is the last name, I thought it was going to be him. And, you know, here's Malcolm confronting a killer in an airtight room, no less, again. And I was totally shocked when he got locked in there and it was her. Yeah, Brianna, I was going to say that
0: I really (laughs) thought Delaney was shady from the beginning. Like, just another shady teacher at that school, as, you know, right along with the shady kids. But, yeah, I honestly thought he was the killer because I was like, of course, it's like, you know, if we're thinking about time, I'm like, okay, it's like 8.50, so he could probably be the killer. And just Malcolm meeting with him in the box, that's just happened to be airtight, you know, just whatever. Um, <laughs> And... <laughs> Yeah, I definitely thought it was him, but when it wasn't, and he was poisoned. When he had
3: that line about her making the sandwich, my first thought was like, what kind of relationship do you have with your student that like, she's making you a sandwich and you totally just took that at face value? I mean, I don't know. That was just, that jumped out at me. I was like, oh my God, what a strange teacher-student relationship here.
2: I felt the same way, Kaylee. I thought that Delaney was a one who who killed him, like oh, it's this professor that wants his job? Maybe he's pissed off at what uh, what he's done, and just seeing him with with Malcolm just alone in that room, it's like oh, something bad is going to happen, obviously because Malcolm always puts himself in these situations. And then when Delaney started, you know, not feeling well, and Anton and Molly were. Running away from someone, I was like, "Oh, it's not him. It's definitely Louisa." (laughs) Elle was just shocked the entire time.
0: I was, and to piggyback off of you again, the reason why I thought it was Delaney because I thought he had motive to be like the headmaster or however, whatever they call the person, like the principal of the school. I thought he had motive and wanted the job, but not so much. So I thought that was interesting. I like that they make him just crummy
3: enough of a person that you could conceivably see him as having done that crime right up until you realize that Louisa is even worse.
1: And then while we're on Delaney, I liked the twist of it was him who ratted out Malcolm to get Malcolm kicked out of the school. Like, how horrible of a person do you have to be to have this 17-year-old kid who just wants to get away from the, you know, shadow of his serial killer father but he's too observant and he's too smart so it risks you getting caught running your illegal stuff and you have to get him kicked out and like you could we could tell how emotional it was I mean that was a brilliant scene I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute but I just thought that was a good little side twist as well that it wasn't Martin calling the school it was actually Delaney all along. And he's one of, it's one of the few adults, again,
3: in Malcolm's life who kind of took an interest in him. It seems like every single one of them (laughs) betrayed him. So it's no wonder he has severe PTSD and trust issues because every time, you know, he thought he had a good thing going, it went away. And a lot of it because of Martin, whether directly or indirectly. And I thought that that scene where he apologizes to Martin for thinking that he did that, it's interesting because again, it's the one line that Martin has never crossed, is that he loves his son, for bad or for good. (laughs) That's, you know, that's the one line he won't cross, and it's interesting that that held true even then when he was angry at him and wanted him to acknowledge that he was his father. That's still the one thing he wouldn't do. So now, speaking of Martin, um, he had quite the storyline this episode. We started last week kind of freaking out a little, or at least I was freaking out at the idea of Martin potentially escaping, and we opened this episode with a a dream sequence in which Martin is welcomed home by a very happy Jessica and Malcolm to see him. I mean, what were you guys thinking when you first saw this?
0: I knew it was fake. She has never, (laughs) ever been that happy to see him. I either thought it was a flashback, but but, well then I guess not because he was already in his uh, Claremont clothes. So I was like, no, this is shady. She is never happy to see him, let alone wants to have sex with him absolutely not yeah drink this so we can have sex um perhaps not also Malcolm was sitting in the room what another childhood trauma he doesn't need anymore
1: okay so just no I agree the second she turned around and didn't immediately scream I was like, all right this is a dream no way she would lose her mind she'd be diving for the phone like there's not going to be any kind of welcome home and I do want to note a I like the line about Malcolm being a little killjoy when he wakes up because that was hilarious but Ainsley wasn't in the dream oh my god wasn't there I didn't even think of that Jessica was happy to see her. her Malcolm I mean even subconsciously Martin knows Malcolm would not be happy about him being out but he was at least not you know screaming at him but Ainsley was gone I know Ainsley wasn't there and really she wasn't
3: very present in the episode at all of our series regulars she wasn't really there she
1: wasn't at all
0: and then JT
3: really wasn't there either, but for happier reasons, obviously, but he also wasn't really there.
0: About JT, um, Bellamy said that he actually had to be quarantined. So they had to kind of write oh, him out of the episode I didn't a little know bit.
2: that.
0: Yeah, so um, Frank Hartz had to be... Frank Hartz, who plays JT, he had to be quarantined for some time because um, he was exposed to COVID. And oh. um, for precautions, they had to um, quarantine him. So that was a little tidbit, a little behind the scenes there. Um, but... Brianna, you actually the, were the one that tweeted this when Martin was saying that, you know, I would never do that to you. You're the one person that I wouldn't. I can't hurt.
1: Yeah, I can't hurt. Right. The one person I cannot not hurt.
0: Right. But um, you definitely have two children. And you're like <laughs> off to the side. Like, she's the one that like fulfilled his lifelong dream of having a, another murderer in the family. So wouldn't you be a little more welcoming to her and... Like, because all this time thinking about Ainsley not seeing him for so many years, you think that he would be more like wanting to build a relationship with her, but he's way more focused on Malcolm. Um, And I have a theory for that that I will put in the theory segment of this podcast.
3: (laughs) The other thing I just want to note here for posterity is that when we saw that scene in the trailer of him escaping, I said it was a dream and I was shouted down. You did. No, so you're I, right. I would just like to note for the record that I was right. All right, moving on. I just needed oh, sorry, to get Joel. that recorded. <laughs> I wanted an on-air apology from the Prodigal Son Twitter chat. Um, but keeping the theme of his escape, he moves real close to being able to actually escape in this episode. They introduced the idea that you just need three key cards to get out of Claremont. And this other guy, Daryl, at the Bible Study Group, has a few of those key cards. And we get a bunch of double-crossing that it took me a rewatch to figure out. It felt like at the end of Harry Potter when we're switching wands around and nobody knows who's got the wand and who can use the wand. It's like, who's got the key cards? It was
0: crazy. I thought that was wild, too. I just thought Martin is so sneaky that he would always have an ulterior motive for something that he's doing
1: um i the other thing i noticed is him i don't know if he just said it to like get daryl on board with giving him the shiv to start with but if mr david dies we're gonna have problems because he was talking about you know he's gonna have to get him to get the red card red card
3: a card a a, a color one of the cards
1: (laughs) one of the cards this feels like uno what color do you need
3: it really did feel a lot like uno listening to the talking the cards but
1: yeah know, if, but mr., if something happens to mr david i'm gonna be so sad like he's such a great he only had one line in this episode and then the thing at the beginning where he's like "Can do we have time for a four o'clock call and just the look on his face was just gold he's so good i don't know i i think well i'll save what i think will happen if martin escapes for the theory section
3: I really, really hope that he, I think he was just trying to play the tough guy. I hope with Daryl and kind of be like, see, like I'm capable of like doing this. I mean, he, could he kill him? Yeah. But I, I I don't, I hope that he's kind of his friend. I don't, I don't know. I like that relationship a lot. Um, And then now, so now we're setting up a crazy twist of him really actually being able to leave which is not, I mean, we had the dream sequence, but this is this is close to reality. I uh, i don't know. I don't know that this bodes well for for anyone involved here. All right, and one of our last point that we wanted to touch on before we get into our theories for next week is just overall Idrissa in this episode was just top-notch, just a hilarious performance as usual from being mistaken for a freshman in, in a high school physics club to everything she was doing in the pool. I mean, what did you guys think of that? All these and moments this
0: episode. My absolute favorite, Kiko again, completely rocked this whole scene. Just her, just like her little snorkel. You just see them like talking, um, like Gail and Malcolm all of them. And then all of a sudden you just like a little shark from like Jaws just well, not little shark, but um her little snorkel thing <laughs> just swimming up to like the edge of the pool to talk to them. I was cracking up and she just I just admire this so much about Kiko. She just has this perfect comedic timing with everything. And I'm maybe I'm a little envious of her, but I loved it and her her lines were just on point, amazing.
1: Yeah, I don't know what it is about her, but she she can be on the screen for 2 minutes and she just completely steals the scene. I don't know if it's because she plays her so bubbly, or I mean, I think a lot of it is the intelligence we see infused in her character in such a short time. Like she's just so smart and it's so intriguing. And I love that she was nerding out to the uh the physics lab. And then when she was swimming around in the pool, she's like, I wish you guys could have seen it, you know, intact. She was so impressed by like the, the high school prank. I mean, she's just she's so bubbly all the time. And I love it. I love that she's that way.
2: Yeah, I I feel the same way, just like seeing her talking about like how they how the office was placed in the in the pool and how the desk and how he was positioned in the chair really completed the vibe and then also talking about JT and Tally and just that whole scene just talking about like how they could induce the pregnancy was just hilarious and then gail wanting to just go back to the case like remember about the the pool and the case like oh yeah <laughs> I,
3: I think what i love most about adresa what i find so endearing about her is that she just gets very carried away with whatever she's talking about like whatever line of thinking she's on she's just going to finish that thought when other people might go oh i know this weird fact about how to induce labor but i'm going to keep that to myself she just goes and says it and it's the same thing with malcolm like these are not people who are good at holding in thoughts and she gets so funny and nerdy about everything that she says it's just just very endearing and very sweet and i think it's part of why we all love adresa so much here at nerds and beyond and something more lighthearted that we have to talk about is that jt had the baby jt and tally are parents we love babies so exciting we don't know Picture. We even got a picture. I know. We don't have a name though, which is very sad. We had a little joke where she said, Oh, the little little JT is born, and now I simply must know if she was kidding.
0: Or if his <laughs> name is JT. JT,
3: JT Jr.
1: Jr. JT Jr.
0: I will die because we still don't know what JT's name is. Are will we ever know? Prodigal writers, if you're listening, let us know, please. We need- I hope
1: know. the baby is abbreviated and like we also don't know his name. Just for fun. Little <laughs> TJ. <for> my- <laughs>
3: <laughs> we yeah, saw TJ. this on Twitter. Somebody said have the kid be TJ instead of JT. And I think that's amazing. <laughs> I think that would be so funny.
0: And I just feel like Malcolm's just gonna be like Terry Johnson or like just like of <laughs> have- Really bad <laughs> names. Just like try to guess like he did with JT. Or um, you know, vice versa. If it's but I does that are we assuming then that it's a boy? Did we know? She said boy. She yeah, said, she's oh, a, okay, yeah. boy. It's
1: definitely yeah. a boy. We okay. do know that. So we know that
2: much. See, I see I, I feel like they should do what they're doing for, for JT. They should just not mention the, the name and just have it be just a running gag until the show ends.
3: <laughs> we <laughs> will never know until the series yeah. finale. Everybody what will JT have JT's their, their nickname
2: for
0: him,
1: but we never actually know the name.
0: That's gonna be uh-huh. their big reveal. JT's names, find out Series finale, prodigal son. <laughs> oh god, no. <laughs> not
3: anytime soon, though. So not anytime soon. We yes. do not want this show ending anytime soon. Agreed. Are you listening, Fox? We don't want the show to end anytime soon. I yes. expect at
2: least seven, at least seven seasons. We've a go for like five <laughs> more seasons. At least or a hundred, yes. you know. Let's you know what? Let's or make,
1: 100 like supernatural. Let's just let's just let's go after Supernatural's record and just yeah, 20 seasons. <laughs> nice plain number. <laughs> Yeah, that's good.
0: I agree.
3: Yeah. All right. So, knowing all of that, going over some of the plot that we went over, all the twists and the turns, what are your theories for next week and beyond here on Prodigal Sun? Who wants to go first? Who has the craziest theory? Brianna's looking excited. She's got something to say.
1: I don't know about theory, but. I'm wondering if somehow, because we know a murder happens at Claremont next week. I'm wondering if it's somehow going to loop into Martin getting the next key card. Some sort of riot or I don't know. The way that gets worked in there and then he's going to be outside in the space. Is he going to manage to steal it? And Mr. David will just be like, oh, I dropped it somewhere. I'll get a new one because they can't ever find it. I don't know. I feel like that's going to that's gonna tie in somehow.
0: I was going to mention something about Ainsley what if Ainsley is not Martin's child? Which would oh, be wild.
1: <laughs> Girl, those are some
0: wild oh, accusations. Wow. Listen, he's never, like, when she's on TV, he's like, oh, Ainsley, but, like, he's never been interested in her. Like, ever. And even when she murdered Endicott, he still was not very, like, interested. He was more interested and focused on Malcolm Maybe because he raised her, he's so like, oh my girl. But I think it's a cop out. I'm I'm putting it right here. I think Ainsley oh. <laughs> we're gonna figure out something about Ainsley this season. I'm just saying. I don't I know it, though,
3: because then that would require Jessica to have cheated on Martin. And like obviously Jessica now would absolutely have where like, she's you know, not care. <gasps> Ooh, snap.
1: <laughs> just I'm saying. telling you. Just saying, she could be adopted.
3: You heard it here first, folks. On Call for Backup, we're calling an adoption storyline the season <laughs> on Prodigal Son.
2: Something shady going on. So it, it's funny that you say that because I was going to mention this earlier how, you know, Malcolm was afraid that someone would know that he was Martin Whitley's son. So he changed his name. But Ainsley never did. She still went to school, she went to college, she got a job all under the the Whitley name. So it makes me wonder, like, just how, how she did that, if anyone tormented her, which doesn't really seem like it did, or did she secretly change her name and Martin just didn't know?
1: I think it's more, I don't know, the way her character is, I could see her as having been like the popular girl in school. And I think she's kind of the opposite of Malcolm. He very much shied away and was hesitant with anything to do with Whitley. And she kind of owned it and was like, I am a Whitley, get out of my way. So I think we kind of see the polar opposites of how that could have gone. Because like we were saying earlier, he could have walked in there and owned it and been the dashing son of a serial killer. And the kids probably would have eaten it up, but he, that's not who he is, which is interesting because he and Ainsley were raised side by side. So how come he didn't? adopt a little bit of that i don't
0: know yeah and i kind of wanted to mention the preview for next week's episode how ainsley is now remembering what happened to endicott which i find very interesting because malcolm had childhood trauma we know this that's like literally the whole show um which sounds so bad but it's true like his father was a serial killer he you know had to deal with a junkyard uh killer all of that kind of thing so Malcolm in season one was remembering things that happened to him, right? He had kind of disassociated from those memories, right? And they were starting to come back. Did he not think that wasn't going to happen to Ainsley? Like it like usually comes back at some time. You know what I'm saying? Eventually, um, especially something traumatic like that. I feel like it's, it comes back in waves and I think she's finding that out now, but I just wonder what his thought process was because. it it happened to him so why would it not happen to Ainsley that's just my thoughts he's probably thinking of it like if we can just keep her insulated enough from this
3: she won't know or maybe even just buying some time because I think maybe he's hoping if she can come to terms with it like slowly like it won't be as big a deal but it's true I mean to be fair this is also a plan that he thought of like in complete desperation in, like, the middle of the night when trying to dispose of a dead man's body. He wasn't really thinking through, like, the long-term psychological right. ramifications yeah. of encouraging his sister to believe that she hadn't killed somebody. I mean, I don't know. I'll be interested to see next week how she handles it, what she remembers, like, what brings it up for her, what makes her remember.
0: Yeah, I agree. Because, I, like I said, I think, and even Kennedy last week was saying, like, we think she's going to have another break maybe a mental break due to her remembering everything that happened with Endicott but I'm like you said Jules I'm curious to see what actually transpired that night if he was like okay Ainsley go take a nap go change your clothes go take a shower like I don't know (laughs) what the process is take a a quick nap (laughs) just relax you know (laughs) throw on some music (laughs) (laughs) you just do some yoga you know drink some wine That's what I need right now.
3: How much um, yoga would you need to get over a murder? I feel like it would be a lot of yoga to all get the yoga.
0: It's
1: like 24 hours, just <laughs> like a cleanse. She's like a yoga cleanse. Constant, constant yoga. And I know we saw, I can't remember if it's next week or the week after, but they're because of the body or at least body parts that they found in Estonia, I want to say. Um, there's gonna be an investigation, and I wonder if that's what's gonna kind of because she's gonna have to account for her whereabouts. So are we going to see that? And also watching Malcolm be on the other end of the interrogation, I think will be really interesting. So guys, if you're listening to this podcast and you
0: have some theories, tag us at call for backup pod on Twitter. We now have our own Twitter accounts. Um, you can always tag us at nerds beyond as well, but um, tag us. What do you guys think? Do you agree? Do you not agree? Let us know. We want all your fan theories.
3: We want to know, we want to know what you're thinking. Um, And we do check that Twitter pretty regularly, so you never know. We might retweet one of yours if we think it's good enough or interesting to us. But yeah, I think that's about it for the week, guys. Any parting words of wisdom?
0: Call for backup. That's all I got.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Don't set a fire when you're in an airtight area.
2: (laughs) Do not be like Malcolm in any way, shape, or form. (laughs)
0: Maybe a sense of style. He's very smart. smart. <laughs> Sense of fashion. He's smart. You gotta give him that. <laughs> <laughs> just the trauma part. We'll just let's we'll just take it. Yeah. Off. Take the, Slice the trauma off. The trauma. Right. <laughs> I wonder how much Malcolm would be left if we took out the trauma. That's something to think about. <laughs> Ooh,
3: that's a question for his shrink to analyze for him.
2: <laughs> oh my god.
3: <laughs> when that's he goes funny. back to talk to her. And now it's time for a little segment that we like to call the Malcolm Danger Count.
1: Warning. Warning. Malcolm Danger.
3: Where we go over the many bad decisions made by our favorite profiler, or going a little rogue sometimes, but we love him, Mr. Malcolm Bright. Now, the total count so far this season between the first few episodes is six. And tonight, we have three new entries on our list. So let's let's take it from the top start from the beginning <laughs> the first is when Malcolm goes to investigate the whole
0: crime scene in the pool and just dives right in you know just needed a little swim a little exercise just decided to just <laughs> He he's
3: doing it it looked fun you know like he wanted yeah. to jump in <laughs> Haley pointed out that we don't actually we didn't actually know that he could swim we confirm that
0: <laughs> I was so worried because the camera shot, which was very cool, by the way, had it followed him as he, you know, it went with him as he fell into the water. But then he just kind of like fell in, but didn't like try to <laughs> swim at first. I mean, obviously, it looked like he could swim because he went to go get, get the book. Out of the didn't test. try to save himself at all. <laughs> but I was very concerned. So we're counting that as a danger account this week because i was concerned can he swim or can he not swim but now we know he can swim and and we've proven he can swim at least we've gotten that established he could have hit his head well when he got in the water you
3: know i thought he was having some kind of episode that's what i was worried about that he was having some kind of like dissociative thing and then falling in the pool and i'm like somebody pull him out of the pool he's drowning but no he was swimming still we're counting it as a danger count because it was completely unnecessary you don't actually need to die <laughs> <out of people. laughs> um our second big danger count moment is while not technically his fault still a moment of peril for malcolm which is when he is locked in the closet by nikki
0: i i and left there for three days i still can't get over it was three days i i that like I was saying earlier that broke my heart but that I feel like that is a dangerous situation Mm. but did he not have his phone with him I don't remember this is 2005 Kaylee well they still had (laughs) phones even if it was a flip phone (laughs) maybe he didn't
3: maybe he didn't have a phone we didn't establish if he had a cell phone remember this is ancient history now but I wonder (laughs) who got him so who came and got him out these are the questions we need to know. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, in my head, I think maybe it was like, maybe it was like a janitor or something on like, the Monday morning, or maybe it was oh, Nikki me. freaking out because he was like, "Oh crap, I left this
0: boy in here and <laughs> he's gonna die." I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if Nikki cared enough because he came back and was like, "Oh, how was your weekend?" Like, right, douchebag, <laughs> like the like, sociopath time. that he is. Like, yeah, he him and Larissa would get along just dandy. I have to
3: say, clearly. I mean, there was we talked about this a little bit earlier, but how did his mother not know that I he know. was there? I can I mean, that. just <laughs> there's a lot of danger there, but I think the most crazy one is that Jessica had no idea. And then our last danger count, which was a complete, completely his fault. The first oh, two absolutely. little iffy, little iffy. We'll say maybe outside <laughs> forces led him to doing something. This right. one was fully on him. I don't fully understand the chemistry of what he did, but he lit a fire inside an enclosed box with (laughs) pure oxygen running through it or something like that that the goal was to set off the smoke alarms and let him out but what
1: (laughs) yeah well
0: I think because it would set an alarm like it would you know what I'm saying it would alert Hmm. people to where he was and that there was a fire that people needed to come to him so I guess that was sort of him calling for backup but But he's burning his oxygen. He had limited (laughs) quantities of oxygen. We talked about it. We talked about how claustrophobic he was. So was the, do you remember like after he lit the fire and then like that substance fell on him? Was that like what you would spray out of a fire extinguisher? I think so. I oh. think that's what we were gathering. I'm sure because people are had, like, screaming
3: a through their a... headphones right
0: now. I'm trying to think. I don't know the science of how fire is. I know oxygen is, is involved. He, <laughs> we there. are not science experts. We are nerds. But right. there's a big difference. I need Dr. Tim to help me out. here. <laughs>
3: neuroscience we, we need the science prodigal son advisors to please let us know what was going on in that moment but at, at, at any rate it was an entirely unforced error and it was on malcolm's part right uh it was just it was great and we got the scene right after where we have gill and malcolm directly talking about how many times
0: oh. malcolm has done this in the past. yes malcolm imitating gill being like Malcolm, what the heck were you thinking? Just in his <laughs> voice, and Gail's like, "That's a little performative, but sure." <laughs> yes, that was such a good line, but it's so true because every time they do the same
3: thing, we tell Malcolm not to do it again. He does it again. It's just it's it's a weekly thing at this point, and I, I just he ever learn? Will he ever learn? <laughs> I don't think that he will. So I mean, now that brings our danger count up to nine for the season.
0: God, that's- already. My we're, my danger category is well below <laughs> what we think the average might be for this. Well, not even average, but the total what the total is gonna be for this season because I said 15 originally. Um, way low. You aimed way too low. I did because I was trying <laughs> to think like I was like I said, I was definitely trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Clearly, that was not a great um <laughs> move on my part, but that's that's fine. I kind of want to change my answer now. Can I do that? Uh, Can you change your answer? Oh, okay. Now that you see which way it's going, (laughs) you want to change the answer? All right, Kaylee. I'll allow it. (laughs) Okay. I'll allow it. Um, I say... Because I meant to count up our season one danger count. So I will do that. I'm going to write that down. I will do that next episode. Making Um, the to-do list. Yes. I say... I'm going to do what Kennedy did um, in episode two. I think I'm going to highball it. I think, I'm going to say 40.
3: Whoa. Yeah. Now you now you might be on the other end of the subject. Oh, my Lord. we we'll see. <laughs> I can't win. I clearly can't win. Well, if we're like, what, 13 or 14 episodes? Like we're three and the same. I guess that's true, I, and he, I'm sure that whatever the finale is, he's going to put himself in danger a lot because that's just kind like of like ten times.
0: Yeah, this going to be all danger. danger. One episode will be at nineteen already. Just, as an example. So, I, I don't know. Of course, my first it was too low, now it's too high. <laughs> I, I'm going to keep it for now. Um, but we'll see what happens. Maybe, maybe I'll change it again next episode.
3: <laughs> we shall have to see. But that is it for our danger count this week. If you guys have moments that you think should have made the danger count, or you're, you, you've are you got some opinions about the danger count, definitely let us know. You can find us on Twitter, like we mentioned before, at call for the number four backup pod. And we will definitely be taking a look at those.
0: As a parting note for our podcast, we'll be ending off every episode with a little motivational quote and or affirmation to hopefully inspire you. This week's affirmation is, the past has taught me many things, I embrace it. The future holds many possibilities, I seek them. Today, I live with honest presence in this moment. If you're thinking of confronting an old professor with an unhealthy obsession with restoring books, Don't be like Malcolm and call for backup. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check back next week for another episode. And in the meantime, you can follow us on our brand new Twitter account at call for backup pod. That's call the number four backup pod. Tag us and let us know your thoughts on the episode. And as always, follow us at Nerds Beyond for all of your nerdy news.